Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Virtual Voyage on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. I'm your host, Abigail Snyder, and this is the Armchair Travel Show, where you don't have to leave your comfort zone. If your comfort zone is your car, you stay there. If your comfort zone is your dorm room, you stay there. And if your comfort zone is your living room, you stay there. Last time on the Virtual Voyage, we went to the Tower of David, which is a structure right inside the Jaffa Gate in Jerusalem. We've seen how to get into the old city of Jerusalem. There are several gates that you can take, and we've taken a very popular one coming into Jerusalem mostly, which is the Jaffa Gate. So right inside, we see this fortress. And we learned how it served as a fortress for many groups of people. We saw how the Arabs were there, the Crusaders, the Mamluks. We're actually able to look at the stone layers and tell kind of how many groups have been there, uh, generally speaking, based on the, the basically the stratifications of the stone that they've put up. The fun fact about this place, as we learned, is that it never actually served as a fortress for King David himself. We saw that the original foundation was probably built by King Herod, King Herod's around the time of Jesus. So obviously quite a while after King David. And then we have all these other groups of people come on uh, later. We also headed across the street from the Tower of David to visit Christchurch. And Christchurch was a great stop. There is so much to see inside of that entire compound. And let me tell you, we are definitely going to be heading back there at some point on our tour. But I want to wait until my friend's there. He can tell you all about their fantastic museum. He works there and he's amazing. But he wasn't there last time, so I'll have to wait. When we were there, we did get to see inside the church. But it's a church that doesn't look like a church. And that, we learned, was a purposeful move. Remember how the inside of Christ Church actually looks almost like a synagogue? But also, there were elements of things we'd find in a Christian church, like the altar. It was interesting. There were also no crosses on the inside or pictures of Jesus. So we learned that Christ Church ultimately tastefully created a church that wouldn't offend Jews, but would also serve as a proper place of worship for any Christians or Messianic Jews. Okay, so quickly on the note of Messianic Jews, this is, this is interesting to discuss while we're here in Israel. So you may have heard the term Messianic Jew before, but I'm going to take a moment just to comment on the specifics of that term because you may not exactly know. When I first came to Israel, I definitely messed up that term, so it's good to know. A Messianic Jew is a Jewish person who believes that Jesus is the Messiah for Israel. Well, actually, they wouldn't call Jesus Jesus. They would call him Yeshua. This is interesting. The name Jesus doesn't actually have really any specific meaning. It's a transliteration from Greek. So the name Yeshua, however, on the other hand, that strikes differently. Yeshua means salvation. It's a Hebrew word. So anyways, back on the Messianic Jew note, the New Testament in the Christian Bible is very specific in saying that Jesus is the Messiah for Israel and also the whole world. But again, that's the New Testament. The Jews don't have a New Testament. They only have what we uh, in Christianity would consider the Old Testament. So many Jews, since they do not believe that Jesus in the New Testament is their Messiah, they're waiting for the return of their true Messiah, and they don't believe it's Jesus. And that's why so many Jews, so many Orthodox Jews, long for the coming of their Messiah and long for the coming of the Third Temple. That's why. So... I once made the mistake of calling a Messianic Jew a Christian. We were out at a hostel somewhere in the north of Israel, and I remember uh, talking to the receptionist who happened to be Jewish, and I was asking her a little bit about her life, and she said that she was a Messianic Jew. And I said, oh, so, so you're a Christian. She said, no, I, I'm not. I mean, she was nice about it, but they don't consider themselves Christians. Many of us, right, were Christians, but we're not Jewish. So 
Messianic Jews agree with Christians that Jesus is the Messiah, but Messianic Jews are also still Jews, so they practice the commandments given to them in the Torah, and those are commandments that Orthodox Jews also practice, so they'll keep the Shabbat and only eat kosher food and, and so on. The only thing that really sets them apart from Orthodox Jews is that they disagree with the Orthodox in saying that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. Other than that, they're basically the same. So they're not Christian, but they're more so Jewish, but they also believe Jesus is their Messiah. So hopefully that makes sense. Okay, where were we? Yes, Christchurch. So the other thing we got to see inside the Christchurch compound was in the basement of the compound. And to me, that's one of those quintessential sites that you have to see if you're in Israel. But most people don't see it. So remember what we did is we went down those steps, kind of entered that closet area, and we got to see the huge cistern that would have overflowed with water. Uh, and that overflow went into the tunnel, and that tunnel led right to the Temple Mount. And we were right in the vicinity of Herod's palace, so it's, it's good to suppose that that cistern was used for Herod. And there's also a good chance that Herod himself may have escaped from his palace at times using that tunnel. We were standing right there. Pretty cool. Well, today on the Virtual Voyage on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM, we're going to take our first day trip out of Jerusalem by going to a place called Hebron. It's um, about 30, 35 minutes away. So you'll want to make sure to bring a backpack or a bag, even if you just leave it on the bus. You want some snacks, some water, any essential items for our day trip since we won't be in, in a close, uh, close proximity to our hostel like we normally are. So let's exit the hostel and hop on our bus. All right, so I was counting everyone as we got on and all of the virtual voyages are here. So let's pull on out of this crowded Jerusalem street. We're already starting to cause a bit of a traffic jam with this big bus, but thankfully we have the best driver in all of Israel. His name is Mikael here, and he's going to get us out of here without too much of a problem. So as we make our 30 plus minute drive, I'll just say a few things about the place we're going to. It's called Hebron. It's just a little south of Jerusalem. Now, the name may sound familiar to you, and if you've read uh, the Bible, you'll probably recognize the name at least, but you may not be able to exactly pinpoint why you know that name. So I'll answer your burning questions right now. So this place that we're going to, Hebron, is known for being the burial site of Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, and Leah, and then potentially Adam and Eve, but that's according to Jewish tradition. So you can see all of those people, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, and Leah, very important in the foundation of the nation of Israel. So what is this tomb called where they're all buried at? Well, it's called the Tomb of the Patriarchs. So that's where we're heading to today. Now, the actual place we're going to, Hebron, right? The Tomb of the Patriarchs is in Hebron. The place we're going to is a little interesting. I wouldn't say that it's dangerous to enter Hebron, uh, but we do have to be careful due to political tensions in certain areas. Most of Hebron is controlled by the Palestinians, and so the Jews aren't really allowed to go in there. And that's what we would consider the H1 zone of Hebron. To enter that side, we need to be permitted. However, the Tomb of the Patriarchs is controlled by the Jews, so we'll be fine on the side controlled by the Jews, and all will work out. So as we pull up to Hebron here, notice the military presence. Nothing crazy, but, you know, there's some police officers, there's some IDF officers, and that's really just there to help keep the peace. It's not a cause for concern. I know a lot of times when you travel to a foreign country and maybe you see... Uh, military presence, it's scary, but like we talked about a while ago here in the virtual voyage, military presence in Israel is really just there to keep us safe. And honestly, it does make me feel more safe. And like I said, not a reason to be concerned. 
So actually, instead of stopping here, right at the entrance of Hebron, I'm actually going to have Mikael drive us up to the top of Hebron, and then we can look down on the tomb of the patriarchs, and there's a purpose in that. Okay, so now that we're here at the top, let's get off here. Come on. The first thing I want us to look at are these steps over here. Come here and look down. Yep. And then also, if you just follow your eyes, go a little right. Mm -hmm. Notice the stone structures, this long stone structure kind of sticking out of the ground at one point. Well, now I want us to think back to a story in the Bible, and it's the story of Abraham buying a burial cave for his wife, Sarah. Do you remember that Abraham went to the Hittites? Remember, he went to the Hittites, and then he actually specifically purchased a cave from a man named Ephron, Ephron the Hittite. And he said, I want to purchase this, and they made a price, and they, they bargained it, right? And when Abraham went to the Hittites to purchase the cave, where was Ephron sitting? If you remember, Ephron was sitting in the city gates. So we'll discuss more of the significance of city gates at uh, other places, and maybe you yourself are even familiar with that, but remember that it would have been very popular for people to sit in the city gates and conduct business. That was a very uh, common thing for people to do. And Abraham would have known this, obviously, so he went to the city gates to talk about purchasing his desired cave. That's essentially uh, the town hall. That's where all the transactions take place between everyone. Okay, and so where was that city gate? That city gate actually is going to be right in this area. So these steps that we see right below us over here, they're worn down, right? They barely look like steps. They kind of just look like they're a slope, but no, they're steps. And these actually would have been the steps that Abraham would have most likely walked on to get to that gate. That's pretty cool. And then what about the gate? Well, it's, it's also right in this area. The stone, uh, the stone structure right here that I pointed you to, well, that appears to be uh, most likely part of the old city gate of Hebron. So we have a lot of cool things that we're seeing here, and it's uh, pretty certain that people like Abraham were right here in this very place. Okay, so now we're going to walk down this little path to a lookout area. This is going to be pretty cool. So come over here. Now, if you just look out straight ahead, follow my arm, yep, just straight ahead there, you'll see a large structure. Do you see it's kind of rectangular, boxy? That's the burial cave. I, I know, it, it looks nothing like a cave. We'll talk about that when we're down there. But for now, the reason we're here is to imagine what Abraham would have seen when he looked at that cave that he desired. And there's a good chance that he came to this place that we're standing at right now or, or another lookout in the area. And he surveyed the land and then saw that burial cave in that spot and he wanted to buy it. I mean, can you believe it? That's, I mean, that is just amazing to me that the father of the Jewish nation stood here as he was searching for a proper place to bury his beloved wife. When I first came here, I was shocked. Many of us have probably read the story in Genesis of the burial cave Abraham purchased many times. And even if you're not familiar with that story, there's a good chance you've at least heard of the death of Sarah and Abraham's wish to bury her. And now we are here. So before we get back on the bus, follow me over this way. So notice over here, the Israeli flag is flying like a little bit right of us. There, yeah, there you go. And then if you look a little beyond that, you can see a small stone building within the wheat. So let's quickly walk over there. So now we're standing in front of this small cave. And according to tradition, this is the place where Ruth, remember Ruth from the book of Ruth, and also Jesse being King David's father, it's the traditional place where they're buried. And most people miss that when they visit Hebron. Now, if you just look inside, it's kind of gated there so people can't go in and ruin it. But if you look through the gate, 
you'll notice the grave markers, and again, you can see all of the stones that are on top of the burial sites. And we talked about this previously, how that goes back to Jewish tradition, where the Jews leave a rock on top of the tomb of someone who has passed away. Okay, well, follow me. Let's go ahead and get back on the bus here on the virtual voyage on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. And that will take us right down to the cave. Well, Mikael drops us off right here in front of the steps that will lead us up to this compound of sorts of the Tomb of the Patriarchs. So let's stop outside in front of the cave and discuss. And there's the burning question that I know you all have that I'm going to answer. We're looking at this tall stro uh, stone structure, and we saw it up there on the lookout too. And it's literally a huge building. And I'll tell you, Israel does not have different definitions of a cave. I promise that there's actually a real cave inside of there but it's underneath this building. This structure that we're looking at, we actually attribute it to King Herod. This man, King Herod, really shows up everywhere. The Temple Mount, the Western Wall, right? Masada, we'll talk about that and his fortress that he built up there. So he really did a lot of architectural work in his time as king. For now, follow me up this ramp here to the spot where you're gonna see many Jews praying. And that place is special because it's the closest spot you can get to the mouth of the cave inside of the structure. So once inside this building, we're going to head in there soon, the actual cave that Abraham bought is far below us. And furthermore, this cave has actually been split up into two sides. There's a Jewish side and a Muslim side. So we're going to go to the Jewish side, but there's no way for us to cross over between the sides, right? So Jews stay on their side, Muslims stay on their side. The Jews and Muslims have come to an agreement that a few days a year, uh, on a holy day, I believe, they'll allow the other group to enter their side and then vice versa. Okay, but anyways, back to this spot right here where you were seeing a lot of Jews praying. It's almost like the Western Wall. Think about how the Temple Mount is the holiest spot in all of Jerusalem, right? But Jews, generally speaking, cannot go up to the Temple Mount for various reasons. So where do they go? I mean, you know the answer, right? We saw this. We, they go to the Western Wall. And it's the closest spot they can get to the Temple Mount itself, specifically the Holy of Holies, which would have been inside the temple. So this wall here functions in a similar manner. The Tomb of the Patriarchs, well, it's one of the most revered spots in Judaism, and for good reason. Think about it. Some of the most important people in Israel's history are buried here. We have Abraham, the Jewish nation. Israel itself would not exist without Abraham. We have Isaac, Jacob, we have the, the matriarchs. So... This wall is very special because since no one can actually get down to the actual cave underneath the floor, essentially, this is really the closest that they can get. Okay, so now that we've seen that, let's walk up more stairs and go through security. So this isn't anything out of the ordinary. I just want to keep reiterating that because they just have a checkpoint here to limit any potential problems that might arise. I mean, like I mentioned, Hebron is a bit of a disputed area, so it's best to have this checkpoint and be safe, not sorry. Okay, so men in the group, make sure to put a, uh, put your head covering on. This is a holy site. They have some kippas and scarves over here at the entrance if you don't have a hat. Okay, so come on in. Like I said, we're here on the Jewish side, and now you're going to be able to go and see tombs of the patriarchs and matriarchs. So there's going to be Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebecca, and then Jacob and Leah. Each room, you're, you're going to actually enter specific rooms. Each room kind of functions as a tomb. And if you remember, we were at the tomb of King David back in Jerusalem uh, a little bit ago here. And I told you that if he was indeed buried there, his tomb would be far below us, right? Because we're several levels up of Jerusalem, right? 
But again, to mark the spot of, of the supposed burial place of King David, they kind of put a large box of sorts there. And I was originally very confused about this. I thought it might have been a casket. I, I didn't know. But it turns out it's just a marker. And you'll see that again in all of these rooms in here. So as you go through the rooms, which I'm going to let you go and explore in a moment and pray and whatnot, you can go and see each of those boxes. And that essentially is marking uh, the spot and just honoring who is here. Okay, so if you come over here, you can actually peek over to the Muslim side. There's kind of this curtain here that's, that's uh, blocking us. And there's also bulletproof glass, just for safety. But sometimes you can actually peek over to the other side if you kind of close one eye and look. So over on that side, we have, uh, we have the Muslims over there. And they're going to be praying and whatnot. And then the Jews are over here. So also, I should mention this really quickly, that when I, when I set you free in the tomb of the patriarchs, so to speak, uh, there's one tomb that's going to be missing, and, and that's going to be Jacob's uh, other wife, Rachel. You'll remember from the story uh, in Genesis that Rachel died giving birth to her son, Benjamin, and then she was buried outside of Bethlehem. Remember, Jacob had two wives, uh, Leah and Rachel. He wanted Rachel uh, from Rachel's father Laban, but uh, it ended up that Laban kind of tricked him and gave him Leah as a wife. And then Jacob ended up working uh, another seven years uh, for Laban to get Rachel. So that's the story of why Rachel isn't here. We can actually visit a spot that is assumed or presumed to be Rachel's tomb. And we'll do that at some point. So also, uh, or also I should mention that according to Jewish tradition, Adam and Eve are actually buried here. Actually, this place is said to be the entrance to the Garden of Eden. So I remember our Jewish tour guide taking us here for the first time and saying that some even said they could smell the scent of the Garden of Eden coming up from parts of the cave. So, I mean, obviously we have no way to know if this is necessarily true or not, but that is the tradition. You know, it's interesting to note that a few decades ago, an archaeologist, he wanted to document what was below the structure. So a team was raised, they were going to go underneath the cave because they wanted to see if there was indeed a real cave under here that Abraham purchased. So again, there were a few men that were planning to go down beneath the structure built by King Herod. But can you guess what the problem was? We have grown men trying to fit in a little spot. Yeah, they couldn't fit. So what'd they do? Well, they sent a young girl down. She was small enough to fit. She got pictures. She said that some places were blocked. She got, uh, but she was able to see various entrances to different caves. So that was some solid evidence for this being the tomb of the patriarchs. I personally love this story. This girl, she was 12-year-old Mikkel Arbel. Well, what does she do now? She's a professor at Hebrew University in Jerusalem. She was 12 years old in 1968, quite a while ago, when she descended to the actual cave. She went wriggling through this 11-inch opening in the process because there just aren't nice openings by which one can get into this cave. I remember hearing about her story and being so amazed, and I'll just read you some of her words that, that she wrote to someone at one point. She says that, My mother asked me if I would agree to go through the, a small hole leading into a cave. After I agreed, she told me that it was to be the underground cave of Machpelah, which is the tomb of the patriarchs, the cave that Abraham purchased. A few hours later, my father woke me. So also, just let me make a note that Mikkel's father was head of the Israeli Security Agency Jerusalem District, so he already had an in. He was also in the Israeli Air Force, so they weren't just pulling a random girl off the street. You know, her father was, was you know, involved uh, in all of this. So she says that she got dressed, she went into the car, 
And then she ends up going in, and then she continues, I found myself in a square room. Opposite me were three tombstones, the middle one higher and more decorated than the other two. There was a small square opening in the wall opposite me. They released more rope, and I went through the opening and found myself walking through a low, narrow corridor whose walls were cut out of the rock. They gave me a camera, and I went down again and photographed the square room, the tombstones, the corridor, and the staircase. Later, she says, I was pulled back up. On the way, I dropped my torch, and so I went down for it and was drawn up again. You know, during the time that I've personally spent in Israel, I've heard a lot of stories. But the story of brave Mikael, who was willing to go alone into a cave that people did not enter, and then she wriggled through the small opening so others could know what was in there, that just gets me every time. Okay, well, I've talked enough. It's your turn to check it out. Take a few minutes to walk around, pray, meditate, and meet me over by that door in a few minutes. Well, now that we've been to one of the most important places in the entire Jewish religion, let's head on out of the Tomb of the Patriarchs, and we're going to go ahead and go on home. A pretty cool day for sure. I hope that it's been a really inspirational and impactful day for you here in Hebron. Hopefully new parts of the Bible are coming alive for you. When you read that story of Abraham purchasing the cave and, and Sarah's death, I think it's Genesis uh, 23, it should be, or just any passage where it talks about the tomb of the patriarchs, well now you know exactly where that is. You've been to the very place where Abraham probably would have negotiated the price and purchase of the cave from Ephron, and you've stood where that cave is. Hebron is certainly a special place, and hopefully your experience today has led you to that same conclusion. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Virtual Voyage, the armchair travel show with me, Abigail, on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. I hope you'll tune back in next time as we continue to explore the land of Israel. It has never disappointed me, and I hope each new site will have that same effect on you. I'm excited to see you next time on the virtual voyage.